I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones, and they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. The epistle is from Colossians, the second chapter. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We speak the verse. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We reflect now on the seven last words that Jesus spoke from the wooden cross. And we first hear a word of pardon from Luke 23. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Jesus speaks a word of promise. Luke 23. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. As you no doubt noticed, the last reading omitted the promise that Jesus made. It was a great promise, one that should not be deleted from our bulletin or from our lives. And that, of course, is a promise that Jesus made to the thief on the cross when the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus made this promise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And that's the promise he makes to you and me this night as well. It's a promise of hope, and it's a promise of love. And we see the love that Jesus has on the cross, not only for us, but also for his dear mother, as we hear in our next reading, a word of love from John chapter 19. 
standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. We've just heard of the love and concern that Jesus has for the welfare of his own mother. And now in his own time of need, he reaches out to his father. And instead of his father coming to his aid, we hear that his father forsakes him in his greatest time of need. It's a word of justice from Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? A word of torment spoken by Jesus. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A word of triumph spoken by Jesus, our Savior. And when Jesus had finished the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. A word of rest spoken by our Lord and may his prayer be our prayer when we close our eyes in death. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, we confront with brunt force the bloody instrument on which the Lord Jesus died, the wood of the cross. The altar is stripped. The pyramids are taken down from the pulpit and from our altar. The wood cross is placed in the chancel. I even have my wood cross on tonight. The wood is a simple and dark reminder that God's own Son, Jesus Christ, dies for us. As you entered into the nave this evening, you received a small wooden cross. You take a look at it, you'll see that there's imprinted on it an image of Jesus Christ. As horrific as it is for God's Son to be brutally and shamefully crucified on a cross, the reality is that the cross is an emblem. It's an emblem of God's love and forgiveness for you and for me and for all the people of this world. This simple cross reminds us of our Heavenly Father's love, His heartfelt love for the world. He did not spare His, aunt, his Son, His only Son, I mean, even Abraham did not have to sacrifice his own son Isaac, for God provided a ram in the thicket so that the ram would be sacrificed. But now the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, willingly and lovingly dies in our place. 
as his father, his eternal father, forsakes him. The cross assures us that the devil is defeated. Death is overcome. And everything necessary for our salvation is complete. It is finished. And thus the cross rouses hope within us as it with, did with John Bowring. If you don't recognize the name John Bowring, he is the author of the hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory. Some people say that Bowring was inspired to write that hymn when he visited Macau and saw a cross towering over the ruins of a cathedral that had been destroyed by a typhoon. Whatever his inspiration, this hymn that honors the cross of Christ has been a favorite since it was published almost 200 years ago in 1825. I invite you to sing the first verse of In the Cross of Christ I Glory. You'll find it in your hymnal on page 427. We sing the first verse. makes a habit of using wood to rescue and to sweeten and to raise up. Noah uses gopher wood to build the ark that buoys his family above the floodwaters, rescuing his family and selected animals from the worldwide deluge. Moses throws a piece of wood into the bitter waters of Marah to sweeten and purify the waters so that the people of Israel may drink. The prophet Elisha flings a wooden stick into the Jordan River to raise an iron axe head, which has mistakenly been dropped into the river by one of the prophets. While none of these wood stories directly point to the cross upon which Jesus died, they indirectly reveal beautiful images of how God uses the wooden cross to save us. Reflect again, if you will, on the story of Noah and the flood. God chooses a wooden boat, an ark, to keep Noah and his family and the animals safe and to rescue them from the floodwaters. What troubles flood your mind this Good Friday? From what do you need to be rescued? Do you need to be rescued from the shame and guilt for sins committed? Do you need to be rescued from an ongoing struggle with sin? Jesus is flooded with the weight and the guilt of humanity's sin when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus salvages us. 
from sin and from death and hell. Christ our Savior declares to the repentant sinner, Behold, the guilt of your sin is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. The forgiveness of Christ is St. Paul's source of peace and joy in the final years of Paul's life. For he writes, the Lord has rescued me from every evil deed and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we behold the wooden cross, whether we hold it in our hand or we behold the wooden cross in our chancel, we're reminded that Jesus, the Son of God, was sacrificed on it for us. And I pray that we have peace, that we have joy. For you see, Christ's cross rescues us from God's condemnation and wrath and provides us true and lasting hope. True and lasting hope when the woes of life overtake us. Of this truth we sing in stanza two of the hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory. Please sing it with me. When the wolves of life overtake me, hopes deceive and fears annoy, never shall the cross forsake me, it glows with peace and joy. God tells Moses to throw a piece of wood into the bitter waters at Marah to sweeten the waters so that the Israelites can drink it and live. God could have told Moses to throw anything into that water, but no, God chooses to use wood to make the water drinkable and sweet. Bitterness is like an acid that destroys as it corrodes us physically and emotionally and relationally and spiritually. The writer to the Hebrews exhorts, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Similarly, St. Paul writes, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the days of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. The root of bitterness can run deep within us. The key to overcoming bitterness is forgiveness, Christ's forgiveness. You know, Jesus has every reason to be bitter for the way that he is treated. But how does Jesus respond? To Judas, his betrayer, Jesus calls him friend. To the soldiers, to Pilate, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who called for his crucifixion, Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
to Peter, the denier, Jesus says, feed my sheep. To the disciples who abandon him, Jesus announces, peace be with you. And to us, and think of all the times that we have betrayed him, that we have denied him, that we've abandoned him, and given him all kinds of reasons for him to be bitter against us and resentful towards us. What does Jesus say to us? He says, I am the good shepherd. I am your good shepherd. And I lay down my life for you. God could have chosen a different way to save us. One that didn't entail crucifixion. But he didn't. He chose wood. And on this wooden instrument of torture, God demonstrates his love for us in that even while we were still sinners, his son dies for us. Calvary's wooden cross is the antidote that can sweeten our bitter attitude, that can soften our anger and dissolve our resentment. As dark and as tragic as the crucifixion of the Lord is, and the bitter sufferings and death of our Lord is horrific, there is still a radiance, a radiance that streams from the cross, that nurtures within us a disposition that is like our Lord's, that is long-suffering, that is kind, that is tender, that is forgiving. I invite you to sing verse 3 of In the Cross of Christ, I Glory. When the sun of bliss is beaming, light and love upon my way, from the cross the radiant streaming adds more luster to the Finally, consider Elisha and how God floated a heavy iron axe head with a lighter piece of wood. When have you ever seen iron float? I haven't, and I'm sure you haven't either. And yet, by a miraculous act of God, the iron axe floats. God does something similar, but with much greater consequence with Christ's crucifixion. We may find ourselves weighed down by troubles and fears and sorrows, but it's like our Savior's cross is thrown into the depths of our despair in which we find ourselves, and He lifts us up. Surely, Isaiah the prophet writes, surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and we esteemed him not, because we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And with his chastisement, we were at peace with God. And with his wounds, we are healed. 
If there's anyone who is acquainted with our deepest pain and misery, it is Jesus. He has experienced a depth of trouble and fear and injustice and suffering and pain and sorrow and chastisement that we will never, ever experience because he endured it for us. And it's this suffering servant who invites us to come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our bloody Savior, Jesus Christ, invites us to cast our every burden, weighing us down on him, so that he might lighten our burdens and lift us up by his forgiving grace and gift us with peace that knows no measure and joy that abides through all time. I invite you to sing stanza four of In the Cross of Christ I Glory. Pain and blessing, pain and pleasure by the cross are sanctified. Peace is there that knows no measure, joys that through all time abide. May the wood in our chancel made this modest wooden cross that I hope that you'll take home with you and maybe put in your pocket or something like that. May this wooden, this modest wooden cross that you've received remind you of the incredible love of Jesus, the Son of God. You are forever His because He shed His blood for you on a wooden cross. By this wooden cross, he rescues you. By this wooden cross, he sweetens your life. And by this wooden cross, he raises you up. And that's why today is called Good Friday. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.